0: That
1: uh, If you want notes for the messages, they are in the foyer on the round table. Also, if you go to our website for this series and uh, download or listen to the message, there are notes there that you can download as well. If you want the scriptures and I'm going too fast for you to write it all down, you can get it there. <clears throat> Let's look at First Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 12 together. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Lord, add your blessing to the reading of your word. God, anoint me to speak, anoint your people to hear, and do what it's in your heart to do, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a boy my parents put me in Cub Scouts very early went all the way through Cub Scouts and then when I was 10 went into Boy Scouts and uh, one of the most enjoyable things about Boy Scouts was Boy Scout camp. I don't know if we got any Boy Scouts here this morning but Boy Scout camp was a lot of fun and it was a long camp as camps go. It started on a Sunday afternoon and it went all the way to the next Saturday and I was, I believe, about 11 years old going to my second Boy Scout camp, and a lot of y'all don't know this, but whenever I was a kid, I was quite a prolific uh, bodybuilder. I don't know why y'all are laughing. I'm a little offended by that. Well, I should say, other than being a, I shouldn't say I was a bodybuilder, I should say I owned a, a barbell set and a weight bench. That sat in my room, and you know, it was a good spot to put clothes on. But the day before Boy Scout camp, I was, uh, I don't remember if I was lifting weights or just moving barbells, but I dropped a barbell on my big toe. That's what I thought you'd say, yes, yes. And and it hurt, y'all. I mean, it hurt really, really bad. You know, sometimes you experience a pain and you kind of brace yourself, and you kind of realize that that pain's gonna run its course for a few minutes, and then you know it'll be done. My dad used to say to me when I'd hurt something, "Well, it'll it'll be better before you get married." Well, it did get better before I got married, but it it was very painful and, and just kept getting painful. And everybody knows when you drop something on your fingernail or your toenail, you know what happens that toenail started to get big and that toenail started to turn black and it it looked really really bad and the next day uh, I was going to Boy Scout camp and one of the one of the big things about camp that year was I was and this is not a joke like the weightlifting thing I had been training my dad had been training me to uh, improve in my swimming because I wanted to be a blue swimmer that year in the big lake where we swam I believe there was white red and blue blue was a top I was red the year before but I remember we went to uh, the pool and my dad he, we I knew the things I needed to do and he he helped me to get ready and I was ready for blue swimming but I had a blue toe and I and I was really concerned about would I be able to swim I couldn't even hardly walk on the toe well my dad said later that night he said son he said I can relieve that pressure for you and I said well what are you talking about he said well I can take a nail and put it on that toenail I see some of you. You're already getting the willies. <laughs> and, and just, you know, bore on that thing, and it'll release the pressure, and you'll feel a lot better. I said, absolutely not. You're not touching my toe. Uh, it was painful enough, and it was painful to touch. And so I went on to Boy Scout camp, went through socks like that, and uh, not trying to be gross, but it was bad. I, and, and I thank goodness I got through the swimming thing. Got Blue Swimmer. Aren't you proud of me? Don't you feel better about me today? Got Blue Swimmer out there in that lake. And two days later, I was walking to the the lake to go swimming, uh, as we did that time of day, and I tripped over a root. And you know what happened, don't you? Boy, it hurt. Man, it hurt. But I looked down, and it looked like it was all better. And I got in that North Carolina lake water, and boy, it was just what it needed. Because whenever I got out, I was like, man, I'm healed. I'm I'm better. Everything's fine. Because it it had released the pressure that was on that toe. Something heavy had fallen on my toe and had created pain and discomfort and anxiety and pressure. Last week we talked about the poisoned soul. We talked about how envy, bitterness and anger can come into our souls and poison our, our souls and our spirits. And today we're going to talk about the heavy soul. And just like that, uh, that barbell that fell on my toe created anxiety and pain... In our lives, there are things that come into our lives that we experience that create heaviness in our hearts and heaviness in our souls and brings pain and discomfort. There's a lot of people who smile on the outside, but on the inside, they're hurting. We actually have a generation of people today who experience some type of low-grade depression. Maybe it's not clinical where they have to take something. Nothing's horribly wrong, but they know something's just not right either. Depression has been defined as a place of hopelessness based on a temporary set of circumstances that we can't see through. If you don't ever experience any type of depression, you may think, well, just uh, get over it, you know. Uh, What's your problem, you know, Just, just get through it. And we may think that it's just for people who can't make it, but history tells us that some of history's greatest leaders experienced depression. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher and pastor of the 1800s, said, his depression was so bad it was like a dungeon beneath the castle of despair. Winston Churchill, famous leader of the UK during World War II, said he had a black dog named depression that haunted him his entire life. Abraham Lincoln, as a young congressman, it is said that his fellow congressmen and friends would keep knives, scissors, and sharp objects away from him because they were afraid that he was suicidal. And the night that Lincoln was assassinated, they found newspaper clippings in his pockets that were celebrating some of his great achievements. No doubt that Lincoln could pull them out, look at them, and be encouraged by them despite his depression. At least you think this is an 18th, 19th, 21st century problem. If you go throughout Scripture, you'll find that all throughout Scripture, there are people, very familiar names, and people that maybe we didn't even realize deal with depression. Moses dealt with depression. Job handled depression. David We find Elijah under a broom tree in his story, and he is begging God to kill him. Remember that? And then John the Baptist. How about old John? His whole purpose in life was to land on this planet and tell everybody that Jesus was coming. But after John was imprisoned and he was a few days away from having his head chopped off, John got in so much despair and so much heaviness that he asked for his disciples to come, and he said, hey guys, go ask Jesus, and just make sure he is the one, should we be looking for somebody else. You remember that story? All throughout Scripture, we find people who dealt with depression. It is said that 20 million Americans today deal with some form of low-grade depression, and 10% Of all people over 18, annually will experience some form of depression. We don't like talking about this in the church. We would rather put on a smiley face and, How you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm fine. My favorite one is, I'm too blessed to be stressed. That's about as unbiblical and untheological as anything you can possibly say. If you say that, stop saying it. I am extremely blessed, but there are days I am stressed. Can I get an amen? Well, let's think a little bit about this this morning. And I, I want to look at David here for a second because we mentioned David was one of the people who experienced depression. And I think about David, I think about a, a guy who was an incredible songwriter. He has probably the most famous kid story in the Bible. He defeated Goliath. He was on the run for his life. He knew that he was going to be king, and he had many opportunities to kill Saul, but yet he took the high road, lived with integrity, and didn't kill Saul in those moments. He was brought to, uh, to be the king of Israel and brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. He restored worship in Israel. He was an incredible leader, and even when he had his great fall, And even when he committed sin, and even when he committed adultery, and when he committed murder, he still gives us a great example in Scripture of what true repentance is like. And he turned his heart back toward God and continued to lead Israel. But we find David in a place where he is dealing with depression. In Psalms 42, This is what David says. Look at this. He says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And then he says, My tears have been my food day and night. He's so depressed that he's eating and consuming his tears. And he says, People say to me all day long, Where is your God? So the people around him know his relationship with God. They see his tears and they tone him and say, David, where's your God at? Why are you going through this? Aren't you a godly man, a man of God? And he says, these are the things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise. He says, I remember what it was like to go to church, to go to the tabernacle, to worship God without this heaviness on me. I remember what it was like to have that kind of freedom. And then he talks to himself. Do any of y'all ever talk to yourself? Anybody just, just let, let's lay on the couch for a minute. How many people, just, just therapy right here. How many people ever talk to yourself? Okay, oh, praise the Lord. Well, I think we all do. And David didn't just talk to himself about his to-do list like we do. If you're like me, you do that. But sometimes you do like David did. David starts talking deep to himself. And he says to himself, why? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed He talks to his soul and says, what's wrong soul? Why are you so upset? Why are you so down? Why are you so weary? Why are you so disheartened? And I want to use that as a springboard this morning to talk about why our souls are heavy. If we as Americans have this heaviness in our souls, and if we uh, as the church can have heaviness in our souls, why are our souls heavy? Well, three reasons. Number one, we're heavy with hurts from the past heavy with hurts from the past the writer of Lamentations in Lamentations chapter 3 says this look at this he says I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall there's a word from last week bitterness I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me he says I remember my afflictions I remember the stuff that I've gone through I remember the, the wandering, when I wandered away from God, when I was trying to find myself, I remember the bitterness in my life. I remember them and because I remember them and I think about them, my soul is downcast and heavy. You may be sitting here today and you deal with some form of heaviness or depression or anxiety and it could be for you it's because of hurts from the past. Maybe you lost a job in the past that you thought should have been yours and it was taken from you and it shouldn't have been. Maybe you've been hurt and backstabbed by a close friend or family member and you still carry that hurt and pain in your life. Maybe there was a bad financial decision at some point in time, and it's cost you for years, and you deal with that hurt. Maybe you have a failed marriage in your past, and you thought, I will never be a person who goes through a divorce, but you look in your past, and because of circumstances, you find that you have that in your past. Maybe you have felt like you missed an opportunity at some point to do what God had called you to do, and you feel like you've let God down and disappointed God down, and you hang around with that heaviness this morning if this if this bag represents our souls we can find ourselves in a place where we're carrying around our past where we're carrying around those hurts From the past. Heavy. Heavy souls. Not only are we heavy with our hurts from the past. We're heavy with trouble in the present. Job said in Job 4 verse 5. But now trouble comes to you. For you are discouraged and it strikes you. And you are dismayed. Second word in that phrase is what? Now. Everybody say now. Job says, but now trouble comes to you. What is the now for you right now that in the now you're troubled with? What is that thing that's on your mind, trouble in the present right now that you're dealing with that makes you heavy? In the present moment, are you dealing with Something about your life and you say, right now in the present, I didn't think it would turn out this way. I thought at this stage in life and at this place in my existence that I would be somewhere else and be somebody else that I am right now. Maybe at this point, right now in the present, you feel like you're stuck in a marriage that isn't going anywhere. And you feel like you're doing all the work and you feel like you're doing all the trying and you feel like that person isn't carrying the load. And you feel stuck now with trouble in the present. Maybe you feel like you're stuck now in a job where it seems like it's not going anywhere and you're heavy with the weight of that job that's, that you're carrying around. You're stuck in that position and you're carrying around trouble in your life. If it's not heavy with hurts from the past or heavy with trouble in the present, maybe it's that we're heavy with anxiety about the future anybody ever worry about what's coming down the road nobody okay we're done how many of you worry everybody here breathing we worry about our kids we worry about our grandkids don't we we worry about our country we worry about the things that we're going through and when we think about those things in our future, those things can lay heavy on our hearts. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the great things about this, if there is a great thing about it, is that you're not alone in that. The Scripture tells us in Mark chapter 14 that the night before Jesus went to the cross, that He was deeply troubled and distressed. That He took His three best friends, Peter, James, and John, and he took them to the garden to pray. Remember this story? And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, who's talking? Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed. Jesus was saying, knowing that he's about to die. He knew what was coming. But he said, I am so overwhelmed with what's coming that I feel like I'm going to die right now. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, I'm deeply distressed and I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. As Jesus looked ahead to the future, he finds himself heavy with future Anxiety. Maybe you have a fear that you're going to be the next person that calls, gets called into the boss's office and they say, we're downsizing and, and you're next. Maybe you see your debt growing and you're worried about what's going to happen with your finances in the future. Maybe you're uncertain like many of us are. We sit around, we're uncertain about our country. Where are we going? What's going to happen? We have anxiety about what type of USA is going to be left for our children and for our grandchildren How am I going to get by if the economy collapses again? Am I talking to anybody this morning who has anxiety about your future? And every way you turn, whether it's trouble in the past, present, I'm sorry, past hurts or present trouble or future anxiety, I'm just weighed down and my soul feels heavy. Does anybody ever feel like I look heavy? We smile, but when you feel this way on the inside, it don't feel good. It's heavy, it hurts. Just like these six bricks I'm carrying around. I can tell I'm carrying around six bricks. I feel a heaviness right now in my lungs. Because I'm carrying around six bricks. How many of you sometimes feel so much anxiety and fear, you feel like you can't hardly breathe? We get there. In our verse, Peter told us in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, he said, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Last week we talked about bitterness, envy, and anger that wage war against our soul. And you better believe that today the enemy uses anxiety and fear and depression to wage war against your soul. To weigh you down, to create a heaviness and a hopelessness in your life. But there's good news today because in Psalms 42 verse 5 that we looked at a while ago you know what David did David didn't just talk to himself he answered himself now if you really want to be crazy you won't just talk to yourself you'll answer yourself anybody ever do that sit back on the couch it's alright yeah hey if you're gonna to talk to yourself you might as well answer yourself maybe you'll give the right answer for once And David talks to himself and he says, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And it's like he grabs himself by the lapel and says, put your hope in God. Say that with me. Put your hope in God. Why, David? And maybe David just started to rehearse the things that God had done for him in his past. And begin to think about that he shouldn't be downcast, that he has a hope in God. So what do we do when we feel downcast and we feel anxiety and we're dealing with depression and we feel heavy? This is what we do. We do three things. First of all, we tell our souls to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Lamentations, we looked at it a while ago. I want to give you the rest of the story from that verse. The writer, which some believe was possibly Jeremiah, said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me yet. Somebody yell, yet. Yet, yet. say it. Yet. yet, I will call this to mind, and therefore I have what? Yet I call this to mind, and I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Praise the Lord. I thought about this verse this week, and everybody here who's a parent or a grandparent can identify with this. If you don't have kids yet, one day you'll get to experience this. Your parents know what this is like. But you know when you have a tough day with your kids or your grandkids and you just kind of feel worn out with them. You just kind of had it. Maybe you had to discipline them. Maybe you had to take something away or heaven forbid in this day we give them a little spanking. That's, that's, not, that's for another sermon I reckon. It's in the book if you want to look for it. It is there. But you just have a rough day with your kids and you feel exasperated. And you go to bed just feeling like you just can't do this as a parent anymore. But you get up the next morning and you go down there and there's your child and they're sitting there watching cartoons or eating a bowl of cereal and their hair's all messed up and standing all over the place and they got on their, their uh, Superman pajamas or their frozen pajamas and you just look at them and what do you think about? You forget all that anxiety and the stuff from the day before, don't you? Don't you? Because your heart just swells up and you think, man, that's my kid. Look at him. He's cute. He about drove me crazy yesterday, but look at that cute kid. You go over there, kiss him on the head, give him a hug, and what do you do? You put that back in the past. And that's what the writer of Lamentations is talking about here. He's saying, because God loves us so much, I should be consumed. Because an angry, mean, hateful God would consume me. Can I just remind us this morning that we serve the only God ever that there's ever been in the first place. And every God that man has created does not have that attribute. you got to work. you got to go through steps. They're hateful. They're mean. But our God is a God of love, who every morning when you get up, He's got a sack full of compassion and grace ready and waiting for you to start your day as you eat your Fruit Loops. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. So when we, when we think about that, We've got to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Now, later on in 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, uh, David, it says David is, he's in another place here. Look at this, it says David is greatly distressed because the peoples talked about stoning him. Now, David was a great warrior, great man of God, but the Amalekites in this story are, are about to attack And actually they had attacked and they had stolen David's wives and all of his uh, people, all of his uh, uh, the people in his army had taken their wives and their kids. And all the people look at David and they're ready to stone him because the enemy's coming to the back door and taking all this stuff away from him. But the scripture says instead of David getting down and depressed, it said David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did David encourage himself? Look at Psalm seventy-seven verse eleven. It says, "I will remember the deeds of the Lord, and I will remember your miracles of long ago." Maybe David just pulled himself to the side. They've got the rocks ready to go, and he says, "Well, Lord, I remember when I was standing in front of that giant Goliath, and you gave me power to overcome him, Lord." Lord, I remember that time I was out there taking care of the sheep and that, that uh, bear came and you gave me power to overcome him and a lion came a week later and you gave me power to overcome him. Lord, I remember when we had this battle and that battle and David called to mind the faithfulness of the Lord and he strengthened himself in the Lord. Sometimes we've got to learn to preach to ourselves. If you want to hear a good sermon, go to YouTube and Google Jensen Franklin. He's got a message called, What I Say When I Preach to Myself. I listen to that every now and then. Because I need to hear it. I need to remember what i got to say. And some of you need to learn how to be better preachers and preach to yourself. If you preach good enough, you might take up an offering. I stole that from him. You know what I think about when I think about God's faithfulness of the past for me? think about all those times that I sat in front of a situation with us and our family. And I don't have time to go through all those things. But times where I sat in a situation and I thought, God, what are you going to do with this? And you know, I, I've been doing this long enough now. And in this thing long enough now, that i got a little bit of time behind me. And I stop, and, and I just have to rehearse. Lest you remember the last time she needed a job, what the Lord did and how he provided. Can I just tell you how much the Lord loves you? Let me just brag on the Lord. When we moved to Virginia, you know how the economy's been. You think a music teaching job is easy to find. It's not. But we moved to Virginia, and within a few months, within just a month or so of being there, Tressa finds a full-time teaching job. Praise God. The only bad part, it was an hour's drive both ways. We did that two years, and you want to talk about a heaviness of the soul, I saw it on her. It became heavy in her soul to make that drive. She was teaching some really tough kids in a tough neighborhood in Newport News, Virginia, and I saw what it was doing to her, and I came in our staff meeting one day, and I said, you know, remember a few years ago, guys, y'all helped me pray for Tressa to get a job when we moved here, and I said... I said, I almost feel selfish asking this, but I want to ask y'all to help me pray that she'll find a job real close by home right here, close to Chesapeake. And I said, I just, I almost feel guilty. And one of our staff ladies, she looked across the table at me, and she pointed at me, and she said, Les, you don't feel guilty asking that. She said, God, he said, she said, God loves you, he cares about you, he cares about your family, and if, he's, if it's in his will, he will do it, go ahead and ask. And we asked and in a few months she got a job that wasn't an hour away from home but ten minutes away from home. And it was with elementary school kids where she's at her best. And she came home and she had a smile on her face and she wasn't dragging and heavy and depressed. And when I face a situation, we moved here last year and I'm thinking, how in the world is she going to get a job again in this county? And I had to recall the faithfulness of the Lord. I had to think back that when we got married, we had been married, for we had, I had been in my first job for about eight or nine months, we got married, she moved up there, and within the first week, the Lord provided a job for her. He may not provide exactly that way for you, but I know that when I think back to the faithfulness of God, I can remember His faithfulness in the past. What about you? Do you remember that time that you walked in here and you sat down and you needed a word and the word came straight for you and it was like the pastor had been living in your living room all week long? How about that time you opened up your Bible and the verse blew up off the page Because the Lord had something for you in that moment. How about that moment years ago that you prayed in an altar or in a car or with a friend or over a cup of coffee. And the Lord forgave you of your sins and put you on the way of having eternal life. If we will rehearse and think about God's faithfulness in the past, we can stand up straight. We can grab hold of ourselves and say, why so downcast in my soul? Put your hope in God. That's a good place to say amen. amen. I got to thinking about this on Friday, and I I pulled up a song that I hadn't heard in a while, and that song started playing in my head. And I pulled up this song that Israel and Newbury did a few years ago called I'm Still Standing. And some of you this morning, you don't feel like you're standing. you just kind of drug in here this morning. You're barely here. You barely got any breath. You barely got any hope. But can I remind you today, you're here and you're still standing. The enemy took his best shot at you, but you are still standing. So in the heaviness of your soul, remind yourself of God's faithfulness in the past. Amen? Been waiting all week to get right there. Here's the second part. Remember God's faithfulness in the past, then we cry out to God in the present. Psalms 142, verse 2 says, I will pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. I am in desperate need. Rescue from me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Now watch this. You still with me? Everybody still with me? Everybody still awake? Now listen to this. This, is, this. You need to hear this. Because when we get in those present situations of heaviness in our soul, the enemy will get us to put ourselves in a position where we just kind of park and we just kind of sit and sour and we just kind of watch and, and just take it all in of, our, of what's going on in our situation. And we don't do anything. We just kind of sit there in it. We soak in it. We think about it. We remember all the stuff that we're going through. We rehearse it in our minds over and over and over. And the enemy paralyzes us in a staring position at my problem. And I don't do anything about it. What did the psalmist say he did? He said, I pour out before him my complaint. I give him what's going on. I tell him what's happening in my life. Look at this. Psalms 119 verse 28. The psalmist says here, he says, I'm feeling terrible. I couldn't feel worse. And then he says, get me on my feet again. You promised, remember? When I told my story, you responded. Train me well in your deep wisdom. Help me understand these things inside and out so I can ponder your miracle wonders. My life, my sad life's dilapidated. It's like a falling down barn. The psalmist said, my life is like one of those old barns out on a country road somewhere. It's falling apart. And he cries out to God and he says, build me up again by your word. He says, barricade the road that goes to nowhere and grace me with a new revelation of where you want to take me. I choose the true road to somewhere. I post your road signs at every curve and corner. I grasp and cling to whatever you tell me. God, don't let me down. I'll run the course you lay out for me if you'll just show me. We've got to learn how to cry out to God in the present. But what we do a lot of times when our souls are heavy, we get in this position of of being paralyzed. And it's like that button that's on your remote. The mute button. And the enemy in our spirit mutes us. And so we just sit there and we don't even pray and we don't tell the Lord what's going on. And we may be just kind of, God, I just kind of need your help. Lord, please help me today. And we don't, we don't pour it out. But the psalmist, the psalmist is, it's gutsy is a word that's coming to mind. It's real. Can I tell you, you can be real with God. If you want to go through and see the realness, just read the Psalms. The psalmists they, they're real with God. They pour out, and they cry out, and they scream out, and they yell out. And sometimes our soul is heavy because we're about to burst. Because the enemy has caused us to be muted and put the mute button on our lives. And this is what we do. We stop praying. Listen. We stop praying. We, we know what to do, but we're so heavy we don't let it out. We stop reading the Word. And when you do that, there's nothing coming back at you to help release the heaviness that's inside of you. We stop coming to church. The very place where I can come and get fed and get built up and getting strengthened, but everything else will pull me to do something else and I, I just can't do it. That is a trick of the enemy to keep you burdened and heavy in your soul. And we mute the voice of the pastor and the worship leader. And we mute the voice of the Sunday school teacher. And we mute the voice of anything in our life that can speak to us. And we don't even realize we're doing it. And you're saying, well, I'm heavy. I'm down. And we we are. And we don't even realize what we're doing that we're cutting off all the voices in our lives. And they get more quiet. And then I'm in this place, and I don't—I just can't say anything. You ever been in a place where you felt like you're about to burst or bust, whatever the right pronunciation. Which one is it? She'll tell me. But it's about to bust. Here's the word of the Lord for you today: bust. It's biblical cry out, lament, let it out. There's a whole book called Lamentations where they just blah, 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 blah. It's okay to do that before the Lord. He can handle it. 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter. Somebody who should know. Spent his life with Jesus. Jesus said, cast your cares on him. Why? Talk to me, church. For He cares for you. Wow. Listen to what the Living Bible says. I don't think I'd ever read this before. I found it this week. It says, same verse, Let Him have all your worries and your cares. Because He's always thinking about you and watching over everything that concerns you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to pour all that out to Him. So go ahead and do it. I gave you a song last week. I want to tell you another song lyric this week. Third Day's got a great song called Cry Out to Jesus. To everyone who's lost someone they love long before it was their time, you feel like the days you had were not enough when you said goodbye. And to all the people with burdens and pains keeping you back from your life, you believe there's nothing and there's no one who can make it right. Second verse. For the marriage that's struggling just to hang on, they've lost all their faith in love. And they've done all they can to make it right, still it's not enough. For those who can't break the addictions and change, you try to give up, but you come back again. Just remember that you're not alone in your shame and your suffering. There is hope for the hopeless, rest for the weary, and love for the broken heart. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing He'll meet you wherever you are Cry out to Jesus We remember God's faithfulness in the past We cry out to God in the present And then we trust God's power For the future We know one of the character traits of God Is that He is omnipresent, right? He's in all places at all times You know that? You know what that means? And a lot of times in our minds we think, well, he's in all places at time, all times. He's right here with us in church and he's with my family up in North Carolina in church right now. And he's, he's with folks who are having church in Europe, you know, earlier today. And he'll be with people in California. Yeah, that's right. He's in all places at all times. You know what that also means? That's talking about the present. God's omnipresence not only puts him in the present and in the past, but it puts him in your future. The fact that God is omnipresent means He is already in your future. And if you will trust Him, if you will trust Him, He will relieve your anxiety just by realizing that He is already out there where you're worried about going. He is already five years, ten years. We talk about a five-year plan, a ten-year plan, a fifteen-year plan. He's already out there. He's already, and if you'll trust Him, he is already dictated and moving all those parts so that you can be right where He wants you to be one year, two years, five years, ten years down the line. Praise God! In 2 Chronicles chapter 37, the people of Israel find them in, a, in themselves in a position. Hezekiah is the king. Real quick story. And they find themselves in a position where the king of Assyria is about to come in and, and just attack them. And Hezekiah, one of the few kings throughout the kings, who was a godly king and followed the ways of the Lord. And he realizes what's going to happen. And the king of Assyria, he is so pompous and arrogant that he, he sends this message out and he says, you know, he says, every place we've been, we've we basically says, we've whipped everybody. And we don't care what God they serve, we defeat their gods. And we don't care what God you serve, we're going to defeat your God. And you know what Hezekiah did? He had a team meeting, he had a powwow. He brought everybody together in the middle of the city and he said, "All right, guys, listen. Hezekiah, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 32 verse 7, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. He said, don't worry about that. That king is breathing down our throats. Don't worry about it because all they're bringing is an arm of flesh. It's just man. It's just a body. But we are coming with God Almighty. And it said that the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah said. you You want to know what happened in that story? That pompous king of Assyria who had been talking and talking and talking. The scripture says over in verse 21... That the Lord sent an angel and annihilated his entire army. Did you hear what I just said? He sent an angel. One angel. And annihilated the entire army before that king. And he didn't kill the king so he could sit back and see it. And the thing was such a mess that when the king got home, his boys who were messed up killed him. What are you saying? Why why are you telling that obscure story? Because Hezekiah told his people just like I want to tell you today. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid of what's before you because the Lord your God knows and he will take care of you. Whether he has to send one angel or an army, an army of angels, God's got this. Amen? Amen. I want to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close this out here this morning. I want to share a couple more scriptures. And... Um, And then we're going to have a time of prayer today. I was praying in here this week. And I was seeking the Lord and just asking for God's direction for this service. And I had most of this outline already done. And as I was down there praying... Lord brought a scripture to my mind. You can go ahead and start praying, Renee. The Lord brought a scripture to my mind that has the word heaviness in it. I got up, found it on my phone, looked it up. It's in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 3. The prophet Isaiah says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. the old King James right there used the word heaviness. Y'all remember that quoted years ago? A spirit of heaviness? And I got this image in my mind of how we can be cloaked in this spirit of heaviness in our lives. Heavy souls with the past, with present troubles and future anxieties. Heaviness all on me that I just can't seem to be able to make it. Well, you know what? That scripture, one reason why it's familiar to us is because over in Luke chapter 4, it tells us that Jesus was in his hometown. And he was actually preaching his first sermon At his home church. I've done that before. And that's intimidating to go home and preach. But he was at his home church. Preaching his first sermon. In Nazareth. The Bible says. That he walked in on the day. uh, And he walked in the synagogue. And the attendant handed him. The scroll of Isaiah. I love this. The Scripture says that Jesus unrolled it and found. He didn't just randomly pull something up. He unrolled it and the Scripture said He found the place where Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now watch this. It says Jesus rolled the scroll back up, handed it to the attendant, Now, the custom was you stand when you read the sacred scriptures and you sit to teach. And that day Jesus sat and he said, This has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, here we go. We got this thing in popular culture now where pop artists and people do their thing and they drop the mic. For all the young folks, this was Jesus dropping the mic and saying, here we go. Now, we're going somewhere. Fast forward. Remember we read Mark chapter 14 while ago. It said, Jesus, we find Him on the night Before He's crucified, we find Him where? In the garden, remember? He's deeply in despair in His soul. He's at the point of death before He even gets to death. He goes to the cross. He dies for you and me. He's raised again. He's seen, as Paul says, by 500 believers in Acts. Paul tells us that. But later on in Hebrews, I'm almost done. Hang on. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 5, this is the verse we get. The writer of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we were yet was without sin. The key word in that scripture on the screen is what? Say it. Empathize. There's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Sympathy says, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I hope you'll be okay. Empathy says, you lost somebody. You you lost your best friend. I lost my best friend. I know how you feel. I feel everything you feel because I've gone through that. That's empathy. And Jesus, hmm, get it? Here it comes. Jesus, because that moment in the garden when he said, My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And then He dies for my sins and for your sins and for my healing. And He died for your depression and for your anxiety and for your fear. On down the line the writer of Hebrews said that because He sat down and He said it's fulfilled today, That means that I have a high priest who can empathize. He feels what I feel. He feels what you feel. And when he feels it, that means only one thing left to do. He says, because of that work it's time to bring my anxiety and drop it at the cross. My trouble and lay it at the foot of the cross. My hurts and leave them at the cross. Every fear and every worry that I have about my future, I can leave it at the foot of the cross. Every part of my present that I'm unsure about, I can leave it at the foot of the cross. And every part of my past, I'll put this one on top. Take that! Every part of my past, my soul is now empty. And I can lay down this spirit of heaviness because He sat down and said, It is fulfilled today. I don't know for you this morning if it's a past hurt. If it's a present fear, if it's anxiety about the future, but whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, stand up right now and walk to this altar. I'm not wasting any time. If the Lord's been speaking to you this morning about anything, you've got a heaviness in your spirit. I wouldn't walk out those doors and go through it one more day in the name of Jesus. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. There's a heaviness about your past. There's a heaviness about something you're going through right now. You're unsure sure you don't know what to do, will you come this morning? Will you cry out to Him? Will you just leave it right here on the altar? Will you just pour out your heart and pour out your lament to Him today and just give it to Him? Just surround it today with Him. Give it to Him this morning as you come. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh Lord, we just praise You this morning. We praise You this morning that that weight... That we carried around this morning in this place. God, we can leave it at the foot of the cross. Now, church, this is what I want you to do. I want to ask you right now just to do what we talked about this morning. And that is just to begin to cry out. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. We talked about it this morning. Come on, come on, cry out. Cry out, let Him hear it today. The deepest parts, every anxiety, every fear, right here at the foot of the cross is where you can receive the freedom that you need. Church, will you stand with me this morning? And if you have faith to believe, If you have faith to believe with those who are here, will you find somebody to come and pray with and put your arms around them? And will you lift them up right now? Will you guys sing, find rest, my soul? Oh, God, we praise you this morning. Hallelujah, 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 Lord. God, we pray for freedom in this place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. your hands with me and you know what what David said after why so downcast he said yet I will praise my God I want you just to begin to give God praise right now in your own way and just say God I thank you that what I've brought today I'm leaving it here today whatever that specific thing was that you brought today that right now You leave it before Him with thankfulness. And you've given it to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray today for a garment of praise. A garment of praise to remove in place of that spirit of despair and heaviness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look at me right here. I want to close by telling you this, if you look at those passages we read, you'll find it happened several times when people begin to talk to themselves and see themselves in that situation. Invariably, when they did what I told you about and they grabbed themselves, they turned it into praise. Here's what I want you to think about: if you're living with a heaviness in your soul and your spirit. This week, do something different in your life, in your car, in what you read, in what you say, in what you listen to, in the music you're listening to, whatever. Do something different this week. Don't go through the same thing you've been doing or you'll be back under that heaviness. Because this morning, we've left all the heaviness here. We, amen? We've left all, but I don't feel any different. We don't go by feelings, it feels good to feel. God gave us that ability to be able to feel. But I don't go by feelings. I go by faith. This week it may be a week of faith for you. You may just have to faith it all week. You just may have to be just just faith faith the whole week because you don't feel anything. But can I, I will guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you'll put praise before you over whatever it is you prayed about and brought to the Lord today, you will begin to feel that heaviness lift you will begin to feel that heaviness lift. It can't stay in a place where your focus is, not, is, is on the heaviness and your focus becomes on God. It changes it. It turns it upside down. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Then let's do it. Let's do it. God, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for Your presence. Thank You for what You've done in the hearts and lives of these people. And God, I believe today that in the name of Jesus... We'll look back from this day, months and weeks and years from now, and remember that this was the day that I laid down the heaviness. And God, you begin to turn around things in that heaviness in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you next week.